This is the Off Air Podcast with Rachel Schneider, a show for all the things that don't make it on air. Honest, engaging, in-depth conversations highlighting people making a difference and making waves in their community. Thank you for listening to the Off Air Podcast with Rachel Schneider. I'm your host. It's me, Rachel. We have a very quick intro for you today because we're going to get right into it talking with Ryan Savage. He is my friend and a financial advisor in Toledo, Ohio. Really, really quick, whatever listening platform you're on, if you could go to Spotify or if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, go ahead and click follow or subscribe to the podcast or rate me. Rate this show. Rate this podcast. I would love to see some ratings, see some comments from people about what they think of the show so far. And if you'd like to follow along with the podcast, you can find us on Instagram at Off Air with Rachel, or you can follow me at Rachel Schneider TV for all things on air. And without further ado, like I said, really short intro. Look at that. Look how short it was. We're going to get right into it with Ryan Savage. But first, a brief disclosure. The information in this commentary is intended for informational purposes only and is not intended to imply a recommendation of any products or securities mentioned. You're encouraged to seek such advice from your financial advisor. Ryan Savage offers securities and investment advisory services offered through Royal Alliance Associated Inc. Member FINRA slash SIPC, Royal Alliance slash Inc. is separately owned and other entities and or marketing names, products or services referenced here are independent of Royal Alliance Associates Inc. 655 Beaver Creek Circle, Maumee, Ohio, 43537, phone 419-475-8665. Hey Ryan, how are things going in the 419? Things are going great. Uh, It's a beautiful summer day in Toledo. Um, You know, I'm happy to be on the podcast today. Okay, cool, cool. It's probably like way less humid there than it is here. That's what I'm discovering about Virginia is it's a two shower a day state. Um, so I know you guys are probably getting ready for 4th of July, but before everybody spends their money on fireworks, we can have this great episode and tell them how to save money today. Oh yeah. You know, I'll try to make this as fun as possible for your listeners. I know, you know, financial related discussions can be kind of dry, but to me, it's my profession. It's what I do every day, talk to people and help them, you know, guide them along with, you know, saving towards retirement. So try to keep this as fun as possible for your listeners. As painless as possible. To explain how broke I am and how bad I am with money. Um, But let's, yeah, so so let's just explain to people, like, what gives you the right to, I guess, like, talk about these things? How long have you been a financial advisor? Yeah, that's a great question. So I graduated from Michigan State in the spring of 2019 with a degree in finance. Um, I was also in this wealth management program as well. So I felt like that prepared me pretty well to go into this industry. Um, So I became a fully licensed financial advisor um, coming up on about two years now in August of 2019. Um, And and even stepping outside of that timeline, um, you know, I work for my dad, Sean Savage here at Savage and Associates. So I've really been around this industry for my entire life. Uh, My grandfather, John F. Savage, founded this company with my great uncle, Bob, you know, over 60 years ago. So I'm really a third generation financial advisor. And, uh, you know, I feel like, you know, I really understand the space pretty well. And, you know, just it's about as comfortable talking about this as I am anything else. So can I tell you a secret? Cause I do brag yeah. to people that I know you 
because if they if they ask like there i remember that one time we went to like the opening party of that cocktail restaurant in downtown toledo and somebody yeah. had like swiped up on my story and they were like oh i want to go there like who are you there with and i told them i was like bro you know savage arena at the university of toledo like you know the savage school of business like I'm with that guy. And they were like, whoa. So, so I don't think people realize if you went to the university of Toledo, or you're from the Toledo area, this yeah. is like the savage yeah. and associates. Brian's oh, family. absolutely. You know, my grandpa, John, <laughs> he, he has, he has quite the legacy in Northwest Ohio. Uh, me, you know, what he's done at the university of Toledo, you know, savage as a whole, having the business complex um, named after them there. And then you know, my grandpa, John establishing, you know, doing all the fundraising for Savage Hall, you know, years ago, um, you know, his legacy, you know, not only reverberates just because of that work, but, you know, he's just known so well outside of the country. You know, he was, he was a great motivational speaker um, at all these different business events, not only talking about all things in the financial space, but about life in general. Um, so it's just amazing. You know, he passed away, you know, um, you know, over, you know, 23 or 24 years ago. Um, and people still bring them up every day. So I think that really speaks, you know, greatly about the legacies left behind. No, that's so cool. And obviously he knew what he was talking about when he talked about money <laughs> and now you're here and we can talk about money so we can get down to business. So Ryan, tell us yeah. what are some of the basics of personal finance? What is important for young professionals to know about money when they're just getting started out on their own? Yeah, that's, you know, that's a great jumping off point. I think, you know, going into this space, especially when you become a young professional, you might have your first salary job and it be a big pay increase for a lot of people. Um, so with that, it just, you know, there comes a lot of complexity, but what I like to do with working with young professionals is make it as simple as possible. Um, so, you know, if you look at when, whenever you get into a salary job, you know, you have a number of different vehicles available to you to save for retirement. Whether that's a 401k plan, you know, and whether that's traditional or Roth contributions there, you know, a 457 plan, a 403b plan, you have your traditional IRA, your Roth IRA, you can have outside of the plan, you can have a non-retirement account. So there's so many different, you know, avenues to save for retirement. So, you know, I think the first place when I'm looking at someone who has access to a plan through their employer um, is looking inside of that plan, looking at the investment options available to them. Um, and, and helping them give them some guidance there. So a lot of employers, they, what they do with their employees is they provide them with a match. Um, okay, so the, the number one rule of thumb when you're wanting to start save for retirement is to make sure you're at least getting your employer matched through that plan. You know, whether that's up to three, four, five percent of your pay you're putting in there, it could be a dollar for dollar match, it could be 50 cents on the dollar or a quarter on the dollar, but you always wanna make sure you're taking advantage of that. But on a broader level, Really, when you're working with a young professional, you want to go through the budgeting process. You know, I think a lot of people, oftentimes they, you know, when I sit down with them, we'll go through their basic, you know, line items in their financial life, you know, their level of income. Um, and then, you know, I go, you know, hey, how much do you have saved up in the bank? And then, you know, it's not as much as they'd like to have, or how much do you have in your 401k? And it's not as much as they'd like to have. Um, so why that is, you know, oftentimes they don't understand. So I think going through a budget sheet and understanding exactly where all of your earned dollars are going can be very illuminating for clients. Okay. And I know that you had mentioned that there are two types of people and yeah. many fall into, uh, into the wrong category when it comes to spending and saving. <laughs> That's true. 
Yeah, yeah, that's, you know, that's a great point. So, you know, this goes back to even when my grandpa John was giving speeches all around the country um, at different business engagements. He always say there's two types of people, those who spend first and save last, and those that save first and spend the difference. Now, looking at it, you know, just from a, you know, a direct perspective, you know, it really should be the same type of person, right? A person that's spending their money first and saving last. You know, you'd think maybe they'd have the same as someone who's saving first and spending the difference. But oftentimes, that's not just, that's not how it works. You want to make sure you have a systematic process set up where, you know, you're saving in the bank or you're putting money into your 401k systematically, you know, as you're earning money through your paycheck, whether that's biweekly, you know, monthly, you want to make sure it's automatically set up to put dollars um, into those different savings vehicles, whether it's in the bank or in any type of investment account. Um, it's really critical. You know, a lot of people when they're just getting started, they, you know, that maybe they fail to enroll inside of their employer plan, or they're not necessarily focused on building up, you know, some of money in an investment account to have later down the road in retirement to draw on as an income source. So it's very important to definitely save first, have a systematic process set up um, to, you know, really from a behavioral finance standpoint, that can be very beneficial. And so what would be one of those behavioral, you know, systematic things you could do? Would it be like having two different bank accounts where like a portion of your paycheck goes in one, a portion of it goes to 401k, and then, you know, another portion goes to kind of your, your nest, like another separate saving account? Yeah. So oftentimes, you know, when I'm working with those younger clients, um, you know, I'll have them, you know, let's say they're earning whatever it may be. You know, you, you have a portion of that dedicated to a savings account until you get to the level where you have enough to fund it, what's called an emergency fund. Okay. So that means you have at least three to six months of living expenses in the bank. I always want to make sure that, that people are taking care of that first before you really focus on building up, you know, the retirement plans, whether that's through your employer and a 401k or through an IRA you've established on your own or through a non-retirement account you've established on your own outside of work. Okay. So if you don't take care of the bank first, um, you know, that can lead to some, you know, consequences that you don't want, want to necessarily confront. Um, so if, if you're, if you're just pouring money into all those accounts, you don't have an ample emergency fund. Let's say some unexpected expense comes up, right? Your car breaks down, you know, your basement floods, you know, something like that. You don't have a, you know, an emergency fund to cover that expense. Oftentimes you might be forced to take a loan from your employer plan, which is something you want to avoid or be forced to, you know, take a, take a distribution from an IRA before, you know, that's really, you know, tax advantage. So you take a 10% penalty there. So making sure you have enough set up in the bank before you start, you know, really building up those accounts is absolutely critical. If you don't satisfy that bank component, you're not going to be able to build up those retirement accounts over the long term. Gotcha. And so now let's talk about somebody who has maybe um, spent first and has not saved, and maybe they're already in debt with their credit cards. I think this is something that maybe a lot of 20-year-olds, 30-year-olds can relate to, especially if they've got credit card debt and student loans. I'm sure that can seem really overwhelming when it comes to, you know, saving money because they're thinking, oh my God, though, I, I need to pay off these debts first. So how, how do they do that? What's the best way to go about that? Yeah, you know, that's a great question. So, you know, a lot of the times when I'm working with those young professionals, you know, they might have, you know, accumulated debt, whether it's student debt, you know, credit card debt, maybe they just bought a house and they have a mortgage. Um, and they, you know, I ask them, we go through all of their debt line by line. And I say, hey, 
what's the interest rate associated with this level of debt? And oftentimes they really have no idea. Um, and that's really why you want to go through that process and have a good understanding of the interest rate associated with the debt you've accumulated. So the general rule of thumb is if you do have credit card debt accumulated, that's generally going to be, you know, highest interest rate associated with that debt versus like a car loan or a mortgage or any student debt you might have accumulated as well. So you want to prioritize paying the down that debt, you know, based on the, you know, the interest rate associated with it. So you want really want to tackle that debt associated with the higher interest rate first and then work your way down. But it also can be beneficial to start with, you know, as far as a dollar figure with the debt you've accumulated to pay that down first. That can, you know, really be a beneficial thing to client. They feel like they've accomplished something. Um, and it really just, you know, gets them motivated to start paying down more of their debts. But oftentimes with, you know, with the client who has student debt, it's really a balancing act with paying that down over time while still being able to contribute to retirement very early in their career because of how beneficial that can be over the long term, giving yourself as long of a time horizon as possible um, to be making contributions to your retirement accounts. Gotcha. So, so what you're saying is anything with the highest interest rate genu generally is yes. what should be paid off first. So like if your credit card has like a 6% interest rate mm -hmm. and then yeah. your other credit card has a 3%, you want to be paying down the one with the 6% interest rate. Yeah, absolutely. Just because that debt with the higher interest rate, it can, if you don't, you know, try to tackle it aggressively, it can really snowball out of control. So oftentimes credit cards, you know, like you mentioned that 6%, you know, sometimes they carry an interest rate two or three times that. So if you look at it from that perspective, it can really kind of get out of control very quickly. So you want to make sure you're, you're not carrying a, you know, a balance on your credit card really credit cards should be used as a tool to build your credit. So you want to keep your credit utilization rate. The rule of thumb is under 30%. So what that means is if I have a, a credit card with a thousand dollar credit limit, I'm not spending more than $300 of that per month. And by doing that, paying that off every month, you're really building credit over the long term, and you're not carrying a balance, which is absolutely critical. So we view credit cards as a tool to help people build credit not as a means to get by and supplement their lifestyle and carry a balance on it, because that can have very negative ramifications on your ability to save for retirement. Gotcha. Absolutely. And so if people are in that situation, like, is that, I mean, is that a common scenario when people come to you? I know you said you work yeah. with a lot of younger yeah. people. I mean, what are the most asked questions or the, the best tips that you would have if they are kind of in that hole right now? Yeah. So, you know, I do work with, you know, I've worked with people in all types of different financial situations. Um, what I see most often is, you know, I think a lot of young people are in this boat where they have, you know, a significant amount of student debt and they're coming to me and they're saying, how do I tackle this? You know, should I take all of my earned income, discretionary earned income, meaning dollars after all of my expenses that are fixed and put that towards my student debt? Or should I, you know, maybe, take some of those dollars and put them into an employer plan or an outside investment account. And that's really on a case by case basis, how I assist people with that. But I would say generally it's a balancing act um, unless you have, you know, a, a, some significant credit card debt and it carries a very high interest rate. We might want to, you know, prioritize only that for a period of time and pay that down. Um, but when you have some student debt, you know, typically, you know, it really depends person to person that interest rate can range anywhere, you know, from 6% generally to, you know, 10%. Um, it just depends on the loans that you have out there. Um, but generally, you know, paying that debt down, 
versus contributing to retirement. It's, it's a balancing act. And you want to make sure that you're not paying down your debt too aggressively, like I mentioned earlier, and depleting the emergency fund you have. Because, you know, if, you, if you're really aggressively paying that down, you don't have a lot built up in a savings account at, at your bank. Um, and like I said, you, you experience an unexpected expense. That can, that's where you could really get in trouble and start accumulating, you know, like even like some bad debt, like the credit cards and, and things of that nature. So I think what a lot of people don't like to hear is mm-hmm. that they have to make a budget, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that they actually have to write down what things yeah. they need to spend money on versus mm-hmm. what things that maybe they can cut back on. Yeah. How do you help people create a budget? Yeah, so I have a budget sheet that, you know, it's through Savage and Associates, you know, we've created. So it is oftentimes a very painful process, right, to go <laughs> through. You might, you know, discover some uncomfortable truths about your spending habits, you know, maybe too much spent on Amazon or at the mall or, you know, whatever, at the bar or whatever it may be. Um, and that, but it, it is a painful exercise to go through, right? But by doing that, you know, it's it's really setting you up to, you know, be disciplined and try to find dollars to pay down that debt or contribute to retirement. But I do have a budget sheet that I go through with all of my clients um, who are in a position like that. You know, they have some debts accumulated and they want to find some extra dollars maybe to put towards retirement or put down towards paying their debt. Um, but yeah, it can be, you know, a very uncomfortable process for a lot of people to go through. But it's, it's absolutely essential, I think, um, before you start. It's probably the first step, you know, I take with any young professional with their financial planning, definitely. So then after going through the budget exercise with people, do people normally have a better idea of like, okay, I can only spend 50 bucks this month at the bar or like on fun things like this is my budget. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I don't set any guidelines for people going through that process. It really depends on, you know, where they live or their personality or what they like to do. Um, But the reason I like to take people through it is, like you said, they might recognize some places that they're overspending or, you know, might just be, you know, not necessarily productive uses of their dollars. Um, So it's really illuminated to go through, free up um, some dollars to put towards, you know, their employer plan to make sure they're getting that match, like I mentioned, or put towards their student loans to pay it down. So it's, it's really up to them how they want to go through it. And, you know, I can only help them so much. I can give them what my recommendation should be, but it's always in the client's hands. If, you know, they want to use my services, they want to, you know, follow through on that, that exercise. Most of the time they do, right. Um, Mm -hmm. You're seeking a financial professional out for a reason. You want their guidance. So um, I, you know, I think it's very beneficial, especially at a young age to be working with an advisor like myself, Um, just even, you know, from a budgeting perspective, like I mentioned. Like even just one appointment to find out here's yeah. where you stand. Yeah. Here's what you can do. Yeah, no, I agree. And then, so when you talk about retirement accounts, I see, I think that's painful to talk about because it's like <laughs> so many employers boast like we have a great 401k, we have great this and this. And um, thankfully I do not have student loans, but a lot of my friends with student loans have said like, well, I don't care about a great retirement plan. I'd rather have a bigger salary because I have debt to pay off right now. And, but, but you mentioned that it is important and then it can help you tremendously in the long run. And that when people start saving the sooner, the better off they're going to be, but explain some of the different types of retirement accounts, because honestly, I I didn't know that there were so many different ones until you'd mentioned that. Absolutely. So, you know, generally, if you're in corporate America, you'll have access to what's called a 401k, 
Um, so that's a general plan most employers offer to their employees. Um, it's very similar. So like if you're a teacher, you get access to a 403B. They're just, they're pretty much the same vehicle with a different name. Okay. So inside of those, you know, you have the ability to invest your dollars over a very long period of time. Um, so with those types of accounts um, in any retirement account, whether it's an IRA or a Roth IRA, um, you don't have the ability to take any distributions from the account until age 59 and a half. So when I'm sitting down with young people, sometimes it can be a difficult sell for them to really put away money for whether it's 30, 20, or you know, 40 years, whatever it may be, until they're at that age. Um, but inside of those vehicles, you have access to a number of different investment options, okay, which can be intimidating within itself, right, to be able to go through that on your own. A lot of people, you know, I sit down with them, they show me all their different investment options inside of a plan, and they're just looking at me with a blank stare. They have no idea what it means, right? Um, it can be very intimidating to try to figure out which fund or which number of funds you should select inside of that plan. Um, but what's often the case inside of an employer 401k is they have, you have access to these funds most of the time that, that are called target date funds. So what that will do um, is it, it will put you in a fund um, that's going to invest your dollars and, and automatically adjust as you get closer to a retirement date age of 65. So those can be great vehicles for a lot of people to keep things simple. Um, they don't necessarily have to go into their plan and make adjustments over time because they're contributing to that fund, which is automatically making adjustments for them as they get closer to retirement. So that's generally available, those types of funds in, in most employer plans. And like I mentioned earlier, inside of those plans, you generally have the ability to make what are called traditional contributions, which are tax deductible. Okay, so if you make those types of distribution or those, those types of contributions to your account, you take a tax deduction when you make them, then when you're at full retirement you, and you make a distribution, you're, that, that entire distribution is subject to income tax. But with a Roth contribution, so if you're contributing to a Roth 401k, the great thing about it is you can put um, you know, up to $19,500 away in that per year, excluding the employer match. That same contribution limit is, is um, you know, it's the same for traditional 401k. But you're getting the tax component out of the way now, so you don't take a tax deduction when you make that contribution. And then when you make, when you make a qualified distribution after age 59 and a half at retirement, that distribution is not subject to taxation. So those can be great vehicles, especially for young people who are in a lower tax bracket than they're gonna be in the future, right? Get, get the tax component out of the way now inside of a Roth plan so that you have more tax-free income that you can take in retirement. So those can be very beneficial vehicles for a lot of young professionals to take advantage of. Um, but, you know, a lot of people don't even know that they have the ability to make Roth contributions until maybe they sit down with me and, they, and we're going through their plan and I'm trying to give them guidance with it. And they said, I didn't even know I had this investment option available to me inside of my employer plan. So no, no clue. I mean, I didn't know. So you can have a 401k and a Roth contribution. Yes, exactly. So if you're getting your employer match, like I mentioned earlier, that's always generally going to be a pre-tax contribution. So those dollars can't be converted to Roth dollars. So that component of your contribution limit is going to be subject to taxation when you take a qualified distribution at retirement. But if you do opt to make contributions to the Roth 401k, um, you get the tax component out of the way now. You don't take a deduction now. And then that, that can just build tax-free 
um, until that full retirement age of 59 and a half, when you, it's the earliest period of time you can get access to those dollars penalty free. Um, so that that is a really great vehicle for a lot of young professionals to take advantage of. So if you don't know, if you're unsure if you have that you know, ability to make those contributions to your employer plan, I definitely recommend, you know, looking into that. So you have full, you know, you have full information regarding, you know, the, the contribution types you can make to your plan. Um, and then as far as the investment options inside of the plan, like I mentioned earlier, if you have access to those target date funds, you know, that those are great vehicles to take advantage of. Um, but definitely want to make sure if, if you if there's an advisor on your plan, you could sit down with them and, and go through the different investment options you have available to you. Um, they should be able to provide some proper guidance. Or if you're working with any, you know, registered financial advisor out there, they, they should be able to walk you through that as well. Yeah. And for people looking to take the next step in investing, they're thinking, okay, I have some money. I don't want to sit on it. I want to invest it. I want to make more of it, make some money while I sleep. <laughs> As some people yeah. have said, how mm -hmm. do they do that? What are some things that they kind of have to determine or factors they need to determine before they yeah. make that next step? So that's a great question. So when, when you're looking at it from that perspective, it's always important to, you know, take a step back and look at your entire financial picture, right? So if you, you got to prioritize what goals you have set, maybe you're trying to, you're in a saving phase where you're trying to accumulate money and, and you know, some type of checking or savings account through your bank to maybe fund a down purchase on a home, or, you, you know, you, maybe you're remodeling your home or you're saving to buy a car. Um, so that's, it's really important to you know look at your holistic financial picture before diving into the investing portion. But if, if people do have enough built up there um, and they really want to get after it with investing, um, that employer plan is always the first place you want to go. Generally, most employers have great plans available to their employees nowadays. So you want to make sure that you know you're really taking advantage of your 401k or your 403b if you're a teacher or your 457 plan if you're a government employee. You know, those types of vehicles are generally very efficient tools to save for retirement. But if, you know, if you're getting close to maxing that out, maybe you want to establish an outside account. Um, you can also contribute retirement dollars inside of what's called an IRA. So that's an individual retirement account. Okay. And like I mentioned earlier with the, that ability to make traditional contributions versus Roth contributions um, in, in that type, in an individual retirement account. There are phase out limits to be able to contribute to a Roth IRA. Um, they're pretty high income thresholds for young professionals. So oftentimes early in a young professional's career is the best time to be able to accumulate Roth IRA dollars until you're phased out because your income's too high. Uh, but you do have the ability to establish an IRA. The, those dollars, again, are designated for retirement. So you can't get at them prior to age 59 and a half without a penalty. Um, so th those are great vehicles to take advantage of. And you can put up to $6,000 of earned income into those inside of those individual retirement accounts per year. Um, so they could be a supplemental way to contribute to retirement. If you're getting close to, you know, maxing out your employer plan, or you just want to build up another bucket outside of your employer plan, because you want more investment options available to you, like you'd have inside of that IRA versus an employer plan, maybe you don't have access to you know, tens, you know, hundreds or thousands of different funds like you could have in an IRA. So it really depends on each person. But, you know, it, it first, as far as saving for retirement, those are the vehicles you want to take advantage of. Um, and then you could also look at getting established um, what we call a non-retirement account. So that's any type of investment account 
um, that's not, you know, qualified or, or in, you know, I guess in layman's terms, you know, designated for retirement. So with, with a non-retirement account, what's great about it is you can get at the dollars prior to age 59 and a half, but um, the growth that you'd experience in that account is subject to what's called capital gains tax. Okay, so inside an IRA or a 401k, you put the dollars in, um, they grow, that growth is not subject to capital gains tax, but inside of a non-retirement account it is. So depending on your income level, um, you're going to be, you're going to have to pay, you know, you know, 15 or 20% um, capital gains tax on any distribution that you might take. But those can be a great bucket to build up over time as well. If you want to get access to some invested dollars prior to age 59 and a half, but you don't not necessarily want them to just sit in the bank earning very little to no interest. And then I know you put in a graphic in our outline that we made a little Google Doc and you have the diversification graphic and diversifying yeah. in equities mm -hmm. uh, over the past decade and the importance of forecasting or trying to forecast, but also just, just diversifying those accounts. Yeah, that's, you know, that's a great point. So as far as the mechanics of investing right inside of a plan, I know we've talked about the very basics about how you get set up, how much can you put away, the different types of contributions you can make. Um, you know, another important thing to go over with a professional is, you know, which fund should I be selecting and what factors should I be considering um, when, when I'm deciding, you know, how to invest inside of each of my accounts. Um, and we are really big proponents of what's called diversification. So making sure you have exposure to a number of different asset classes, um, just because you don't want to necessarily be too concentrated in one or two stocks, because those can those can you know really vary in performance from year to year. You want to make sure you have exposure to a number of different you know you know stock you know whether that's market capitalizations across the stock market or you get you get you know exposure to what are called fixed income assets, which are bonds. Those can be a very beneficial part of um, our clients' portfolios. So making sure that you're diversified over the long term is the best strategy in our estimation that, that people can make to get steady returns and, and build, you know, get, get steady returns and build up a large sum of money inside of those retirement accounts. Um, you know, you don't necessarily want to be too concentrated in any individual asset class um, in our view. So. so when you say that, do you mean, you know, somebody has a 401k and then they've got Oh, some more money saved up that they'd like to invest in, then they want to invest in the stock market. And you know what, just to be safe, if things don't go right in the stock market, here's another savings account. Oh, uh, yeah. So that, that can be, that can be a form of diversification as well. Uh, but what more, more so I'm getting at is let's say they have an IRA set up and then inside of that IRA, all of those dollars are, let's say they're just invested in, you know, for instance, Apple stock or okay. Tesla stock, right? Some of the more popular ones are, you know, whatever it may be, that that the, the performance of any individual security like that can really vary year to year. What we believe in is having your invested dollars, you know, represented across thousands or, you know, hundreds to thousands of different companies, um, because, you know, it, we've really seen, you know, past performance is not indicative of future returns. But what we've seen is when you have that broad level diversification across equities, um, like in the stock market, and then you have exposure to what are called bonds, which are inversely correlated with stocks. Um, if you have a portfolio comprised of those types of assets and that level of diversification, it's very beneficial over the long term. And it leads to 
more steady returns than being in all, you know, large cap stocks. So like in all in your Apple, Tesla, you know, Netflix, Google, whatever it may be, or maybe you're all in, you know, um, you know, the small cap stocks or you're all in mid cap stocks, you know, having exposure to all of those different areas but, uh, is very beneficial. And like I said, you know, earlier about the target date funds, those are why they're, you know, pretty great vehicles. And, um, you know, they really give you exposure to a number of different areas and you, you'd get exposure over time um, to, you know, that fixed income component as well. As you get close, closer to retirement in general, that bond portion is going to make up, you know, a larger, a larger portion of your invested dollars because they're a less risky asset um, than, that, than the stocks. And so given that your family has been in this business for so long, yeah. I mean, have, have you guys noticed, like, is there a trend of more or less people seeking out a financial advisor or, yeah. you know, getting the process started at an earlier age at an older yeah. age? Yeah. You know, I think I, I've definitely seen, you know, the performance of the market, the stock market and, you know, the S&P 500, for instance, which is U.S. large cap stocks has been, you know, very good, you know, over the last, you know, 10 or 15 years um, relative, you know, it's been, you know, about right on par with historical averages. So I think more people are becoming aware of investing at an earlier age. Maybe that's because of the internet, they have access to more information, or maybe it's because they're getting excited about cryptocurrency and then they learn about the stock market and they say, Hey, you know, where does this fit in my overall picture? But I definitely think, you know, um, financial advisors are becoming more of a part of people's overall planning process. And, you know, I think that's the way it should be. Maybe with a lot of younger people, they oftentimes try to do it on their own. And then maybe their account grows to a certain value that they're not comfortable in or investing or overseeing it themselves. And they want the guidance of professional with that. Um, that's, I think, where we can really take the burden off of them and give them some guidance along the way um, and explain all the different factors that they should be considering as they continue to accumulate wealth. Um, but, you know, I do think, you know, a financial advisor really fits into everyone's picture who has invested dollars, whether it's they're just getting started in an employer plan or, or they just set up an IRA on their own. And um, I think working with a licensed professional um, can be very beneficial, um, even if you're just in the early stages of, of building wealth. You know, a lot of people, you know, they, they don't think they're necessarily worth an advisor's time. Um, I don't believe in that. I, I, I really enjoy working with people who are just getting started. Um, it can be very helpful. Um, and, 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 you know, it, it, it makes all the difference in the world getting started off on the right foot, um, just letting your dollars compound over a very long period of time. So I would definitely recommend everyone to seek out, you know, a licensed professional and especially one that has, um, you know, a, a professional credential above and beyond, uh, or maybe they're pursuing that that's above and beyond their general licenses to be a financial advisor. I think that's very important. Um, I am a candidate to be a CFP, um, so I'm hoping to, you know, over the next, you know, year or two, be able to achieve that credential. So I'm on that path. Um, so what, is a C what does that mean? So it's called Certified Financial Planner. Um, okay. So it, 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 it's, it's, you're required to go through curriculum and then sit for an exam that's above and beyond um, necessarily what you need to be a financial advisor. Mm -hmm. um, so I could, I could do my job as is without that, um, but... But I, I think, you know, I, I really take it seriously and I, I try to educate myself as much as possible. Um, so that's why I'm on the path to be a candidate. I'm a candidate right now and hopefully eventually we'll be achieving that, that credential. Um, I think, you know, holding yourself to, 
that standard that's above and beyond for your clients is, is very critical. So I definitely encourage anyone who's, you know, just getting started um, and they're seeking out someone to work with, you know, ask, Hey, do you have any professional designations or, you know, are you pursuing, pursuing any, because that really shows a lot about, you know, how seriously a financial advisor, um, you know, considers, you know, educating themselves along the way. Yeah, definitely. Well, not to mention that because you talked about people trying to do it on their own. I think especially with smartphones now I've seen, I mean, I can think of three different apps off the top of my head that are like, we'll help you save money, get download our app and we'll help you. I mean, do those actually help or? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a really interesting question. So those are what we call robo advisors. So um, they can, they, you know, there are a lot of, Oftentimes, they're very great vehicles for people, you know, when you're just getting started, you want some general guidance, maybe this, this app or whatever it may be is through a, you know, licensed firm that it's going to be able to help you out. But I really oftentimes find that it's really a person to person business with this type of stuff. Um, You want to make sure that you're working with someone who has the professional credentials. Um, You're not just getting advice from your coworker at the water cooler about, you know, which stocks are hot. Hey, put your money here and you oftentimes people are, you know, it's really just getting advice from people who don't do it for a living. So I think, you know, working with a financial advisor and having that human element to it as well, where you can just have a conversation, I think oftentimes people really appreciate that, that human touch. Um, and it makes them, you know, feel a lot more comfortable along the way getting that, that financial advice. So there's a, you know, robo advisors, that's definitely a growing um, place, but, you know, I think there's always going to be the place for, you know, the human element inside of it. And, um, it's really a, you know, face-to-face business, I think. And, um, you know, I, I, I definitely encourage, you know, anyone out there who's on the fence about, you know, looking to work with a financial advisor, um, you know, do your due diligence, but um, oftentimes it can be very beneficial for people. Yeah. So if people do want to get started if the, at, in that process and they are, they are seeing people out, I know you mentioned to ask for people's credentials, but for people yeah. who are interested in maybe, you know, learning more about um, Savage and Associates, if they're in the yeah. Toledo area, how can they get in contact with you guys? Yeah. So that's a great question. So anyone that wants to get in contact with me, if they're, you know, just interested in like an introductory meeting or whatever it may be, a brief phone call to see if I can help them. Um, you can give me a call at 419-725-7326, or you can shoot me an email to my email, which is ryan.savage at savageandassociates.com. Um, you know, Savage is, you know, I think people oftentimes think of it as a local firm, but we're growing so much. We have, you know, I think now over 70 licensed financial advisors in the building. I think we're well north of, you know, 110 employees at this point. We have offices, not only in Maumee, we have offices in Finley, which is growing quite a bit, Bowling Green. I think we have an office in Upper Sandusky. So we really have a large presence in Northwest Ohio. Um, But, you know, a lot of people here are licensed to do business in multiple states. Um, And and with the, you know, proliferation of Zoom and, you know, phone conferences, you know, it doesn't really matter where you are. Um, There's definitely someone in this building that can help you. Um, So I I think if you're on the fence about it, um, reaching out and, and, and really, you know, trying to seek out the services of someone here, I think would be, you know, we'd, we'd love to help anyone we can. Um, so I, you know, I think that's, you know, a great place to start is, is reaching out to me and, and seeing which direction I could point you in. And oftentimes, yeah. you know, for, for an introductory meeting, like you mentioned, um, there's absolutely no fee at all. You know, me personally, I only get compensated for managing assets or if there's like an insurance need that they need satisfied, 
um, I'd get commissioned through that. But as far as general financial guidance and, and planning along the way, I meet with people, you know, frequently who, you know, I don't charge anything to. I'm just helping them along the way get set up um, and, and, and really making sure they're getting started on the right foot. Yeah. And, and just so people know more about the resource too. I mean, the reason I like having face-to-face meetings with people, not just like a financial advisor, but an insurance agent, anyone is because when you can put a face to something, you can work with that person over time. Like in 10 years, you can have a meeting with that same person and, you know, maybe they've got a folder or a file that has your information. They can go over stuff with you. They can review things that change, you know, because a computer, you don't, you they, they don't get to know you. And if you delete yeah. the app or whatever you're working with, you have to start all over again. But having that connection, I think in really any profession, some, especially somebody who you can work with over time, the next 10, 20 years, that's yeah. awesome. Um, yeah, I think that's a great point you made. You know, it, it, financial planning is not necessarily a set it and forget it type of deal. It's not something where you go into an office, you set a financial plan and you don't check on up on it for five, 10 or 20 years. Um, we really believe with meeting with an advisor at least one, at least annually, um, just because people's financial pictures are always changing over time. You need to make adjustments along the way. Um, you know, people's goals with their financial finances are always changing, um, so that might necessarily, um, you know, require adjustments to your overall planning. And and you need to keep a, a good handle on how your dollars are being invested on inside of any investment account you've established out there, whether it's like I said, that Roth IRA, traditional IRA, or any type of employer plan or a non-retirement account. Um, Those dollars, you know, they need to be monitored over time. Adjustments need to be made over time um, to fit the situation for you as you, you know, progress in your financial future um, and get closer to retirement. So we're big proponents of meeting with our clients at least once annually, um, just to get an overall better understanding of where they're at and see if we need to make any adjustments um, along the way to, you know, how we're, you know, providing advice to them. Excellent, Ryan. Well, thank you so much for sharing your expertise with us. For those that missed it while you were listening, I will include Ryan's contact information and links in the description of this episode. If you'd like to learn more about getting in contact with him or another local financial advisor, if you're interested, we'll have more of Ryan's tips there. So Ryan, thanks again so much. Yep. Thank you so much, Rachel. I really appreciate it.